Los na Los Nazarenos. Bienvenidos. Welcome back. How's everybody doing? All right. What, what part two? Yep. We're back with, uh, we're coming back with that good Latin at, Latin X, mm -hmm. Latin X, Latin, Latin <laughs> Latinoa. South Latino, America, uh, South yeah. and Central American liberation theology, or uh, yeah, I mean it's all, yeah. it's yeah. all in that. Vein. I think so. I think uh, so. I would, I would, I would, I would think so. Um, all right, let me let me ask you this question. Yeah, man, go ahead, drop it. Is is Mexico part of North America, or or have Canada and the United States just been like? Mm, you're you're not in the club <laughs> no i i think yeah i think they are part of north america uh, yeah technically they are right yeah yeah <laughs> like right like like when you learn about the continents like mexico is part of north america like now like uh, are they like are they like welcome they're like tight like i don't even know if canada and the united states are like that either but <laughs> I think it should just be like Canada and Mexico are cool, and then the United States are just like they're the odd one out. You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I may, maybe not. Now that I think about it, I don't think. I mean, I definitely don't hear a lot of like immigration policies against Canadians. So yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't well, know. Man. Yeah, that's like the. Um, yeah, it, geographically, it's part of North America, right? But then, yeah. but then if I say like Central and South America. Does that yeah. preclude Mexico? But, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. I think that's why a lot of people say Las Americas or the Americas. Okay. Because it, it like it encompasses both. Because I I'm, and I can be wrong, and I my um I, I'm now I'm just gonna say it, but like I don't know, like that Central America, it's its own region. I don't know how that came to be. I was I, I'll have to look into that, and we might take this up too. But it's just like I think like those like that the connecting bridge between like Mexico and South America. Yeah. Like Central America. I know they have their own identity and like to be like yeah. Costa Rica identified. And, yeah. And Panama. Yeah. Oh, like Guatemala, El Salvador, all of that. But I don't know, like when I when I when I uh teach the kids about like the different regions or the different continents, like that's always been like a thing, like we're like because they're not their own continent, you know. Yeah. What I'm are they, they south so or are they north? Or are they north? <laughs> right. Yeah. And they'll say like, "Well, we're Central America." I was like, no, I get that, but there's <laughs> seven continents. Yeah. Which again could be like redistribute, I guess. Are there really seven continents, or is that just a conspiracy? So that's the thing that I'm saying. Like, I mean, that's what we were taught, right? But like, things are changing so much. That the what? What do the lizards want us to think? The lizards want us to think that there's only five, oh, only three superpowers, and, and that, <laughs> and, and that the Earth is round because, oh, for like, sure, yeah, like the lizards are just trying to keep that that flat oh, Earth secret. Sure. Yeah, for sure. They don't want us to know about that. Because if I stood on top of my house in Texas, yeah. and then you stood on top of your house in North Carolina, North Carolina, we could see yeah. each other. 
of course. But, yeah. but then the lizards, they pump a bunch of clouds into our atmosphere so that way Make we can't go, see each other. Yeah. I mean, it's And just as an asterisk, this is all sarcasm. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 don't actually believe this stuff. The Earth is round. <laughs> if you think yeah. the Earth is flat, don't listen to our podcast. We might have said Yeah, God made the Earth a ball. Yeah, round. It's the. Oh, it and like, what are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that, like Genesis chapter one is not a literal account of history. Bam, you're blowing people's minds right now. What? <laughs> so if you're if you're out there and I I won't um I won't a uh, I won't defecate on your beliefs if you are a biblical literist, literalist. Um that's fine if that's part of your tradition. It is mm-hmm. the my it is a extreme minority position position within biblical scholarship, but yeah. if you are Catholic and you are believing that Genesis one is literal history, um, no bueno from the no bueno. Catholic, Catholic biblical interpretation perspective. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's more of the why the why yeah. of creation not the how right all right which is well, like a great thing to talk about we'll probably have to talk about that some other time yeah yeah well we're we're gonna work on a series like a recurring thing called what's the deal with la biblia the, la biblia <laughs> how would you say what's the deal with la biblia all in spanish <laughs> uh, what's the deal Yo, or, con la biblia? <laughs> yeah. or uh I was going to say, um, <laughs> well, what were you going to say? Que pasa la Biblia? Oh, que pasa la Biblia? That, yeah. But that's more like, what's up? No, not even. I would say like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's que pasa then? I've been, I've been misinformed for 20 years now. No, no, like it is. But like when you say que pasa la Biblia, it's more like, uh, like who's passing around the Bible? Quien pasa? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what, like if we, like, what, like what if we like Cayete way la Biblia? <laughs> Yahweh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Yahweh, yeah. not Cayete way. That's true. My bad. I was reading Moises instead of Moses. <laughs> Moises. <laughs> Your boy Moises. Eh, Aquas. <laughs> I was Moses. <laughs> Bernie Bush, bro. <laughs> you better get some water. <laughs> yeah. You about to get burned, brother. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my, Exodus. My tiny bit of Spanish slang that I know. Okay. Oh, it's pretty good. Right. Yeah. 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 So growing up in San Diego, you have pretty good. Very I, picked, I picked some stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. Uh, Medellin, Colombia. Uh, yes. All right. So just as a quick little recap. So as like we said last time, there's like eight main parts mm-hmm. or like perspectives or highlights that 
yeah. bishops, uh, the sea lamb bishops um, mm. wanted to focus on. So last time we went through parts one through four. So we like yeah. hit on education. We hit on the media. We hit on poverty and we hit on the elites. And so now we're going to tackle the last four, which are peace, youth, justice, and follow through. Mm-hmm. So, so K, K broke. What's, yeah, what's, with, what's happening, man? What's with that peace, that peace movement? Oh, yeah, for sure. Peace. I mean, like, you know, if, if you if you heard part one, if you did, you should definitely go check it out. But in part one, we were talking about kind of laying down the foundation of, uh, or, or explaining the context of why this ended up happening, right? And so in Latin America, it was definitely high tensions, right? And I mean, it still is, uh, but it was a high tensions moment. And so peace ends up being like something that the bishops really want to focus on, right? And so in the peace document, the bishops, um, you know, they they use uh, the word like peace and development to have the same meaning. So mm-hmm. like in their in their mindset, they, they explain that violence and tensions are caused because Latin America is in an underdeveloped state, right? So it's got the resources, it's got everything uh, to be a fully developed uh, region and area. But unfortunately, it um, it does it isn't allowed to to develop in that way because of like of like three external factors, and so mm-hmm. they 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 talk about these three external factors throughout the whole document. And, it, and, and this so, is that that meme you sent me yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just on. Uh, we were. Uh, I was on Instagram and I saw this meme. It's like you know, it's not that Latin America is poor. It's more that you know, it's just. Um, what, what did it say? I totally it's, it the third world is not poor. It is overexploited. There you go. That's exactly it. And so that's kind of like what the bishops focus on. And so the three three tensions that they focus on are uh, between classes and internal uh, colonialism. Uh, they mm-hmm. talk about uh, internal tensions and external neocolonialism and then national tensions within Latin America. And so you're just like, what does that even mean, dude? Like, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? And so when, when they're talking about tensions between classes and internal colonialism, they're, they're focusing on uh, those of the lower classes who are being mistreated and abused. Uh, and then those of the higher class, they continue to find ways to justify their actions. So it's just like you're indigenous, you're poor, you're a peasant. It is it is like your role to provide labor and like nothing else. And we're not going to give you an opportunity to integrate yourself into like higher education or higher learning. Instead, what we're going to do is we're just going to keep you at where you're at and, you know, pay you or treat you enough for you to be able to survive and continue like feeding into the workforce, right? And so they justify these actions by like, um, you know, stating like, oh, like if we like if we make everything equal, again, we go back to that communist mindset, like, oh, that's, we, we're anti-communist. We don't want that kind of mentality here. And so mm-hmm. that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we have classes. That's why not everybody uh, should be equal, right? Or, you know, it, they also justify it as like a necessity of order. It's like, hey, some people need to be poor. Some people <laughs> need to be rich. And it's like, 
no, like, yeah. like that's not the case. What needs to happen is that everybody should like have dignity. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? like it, that's that's the key component of things. Yeah, yeah, because you can live a dignified life without being super yeah. wealthy. Like, right. it, and it's like, I know for for me, that's kind of my hope for my family has been just like I want enough to like provide not Mm -hmm. and not to like struggle and worry right which is i think a right that every human being should have (laughs) right exactly you know and i completely agree preferential option for the poor (laughs) for the poor exactly (laughs) and and like it's it's funny because like i think about when i was reading this document i think about a trip that that i took to mexico when i was like super young like i think i was just like i just turned like 11 or 12 um and i was walking with one of my uh, with one of my uh, aunts who's like she's like a psychologist and she's got like a lot of like degrees and she's very smart and she was hanging out with one of her friends and her friend kind of like still had this mentality of where like there needs to be poor people and like that to me like looking back at it now like just reflecting on it, it makes me think about like wow like people have like have been fed this so much that they've come to like just accept it and believe it and be like okay with it. I'm talking about like an individual who had like a master's degree. And so he's like, you know, he's very well like educated. And for him to still be able to say that, like, you know, at some point we we're, we're gonna need poor anyways. I'm just like, I I don't know. Like that's like that's it, it blows my mind thinking about that now. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like I think what you what you mentioned earlier, it's like we don't we don't need a lot. You don't have to have like 10 billion dollars in your bank account for you to be yeah. like okay we're good now you know like yeah like as long as like everybody's good everybody's being fed like your necessities are being met and stuff like that like we've we've grown accustomed to like luxuries that might not necessarily be like needed you know yeah and i i'm thinking of i know we talked about this in the past but like an idea of moral imagination Mm-hmm. or just because some you might think like to help the poor or to like have this preferential option for the poor or to make our societies more like egalitarian as far as mm-hmm. like our basic necessities or incomes mm-hmm. like I think often there's a mentality of like, well, we can't do that. Like, and here's all the reasons why we can't do that. Right. But there's no like, there's no imagination to say like, well, how could we accomplish this? Like, if I think we were to do this, how, what would be the steps? Yeah. So, all right. What so, about yeah. these? Uh, what about this neo-colonialism? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So they break this down into two uh, functions, which actually you brought up uh, last time in part one. Uh, the first part is a growing distortion of international commerce. And um, this is like, it gets into economics here. So like, I'm not, I don't know a lot about economics. And so I like asked one of my cousins to kind of like explain it to me. And I was like, oh, once he explained it, it wasn't, it wasn't that crazy, but it was pretty much just like, um, what ends up happening is that because the, like these, uh, land America has so much raw material, it sells its 
raw material at a lower level than like the manufactured good that's being sold. So mm-hmm. like an example, like, oh, like you have some kind of like metal, precious metal that is required in order for like electric connectivity to be like supreme on an iPhone, right? So Latin America has this metal. So they're like, okay, we'll buy this metal at a, a dollar a pound. But then like out of this metal, they can make like maybe like 20 to 30 like iPhones, which they sell at a thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like there's there's no way that these countries that are producing raw material will ever like like develop mm-hmm. to the to to like to the countries that are producing like these like massive like profits. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's just like oh yeah. What so it's like what if the like say the raw materials coming out of Argentina or something. Mm-hmm. But then, like Argentina took their own metal and then right. made their own product and mm-hmm. then sold that. Then they are right reaping the benefits of right. their material. Exactly. Um, from what I like, I think this is kind of like the COVID vaccine. Mm. I, I guess mm-hmm. takes twenty dollars to produce or like $19 to produce one COVID mm-hmm. vaccine. But then in the United States, it sells like, because well, the government bought all of them or purchased mm-hmm. from Pfizer and the other companies, but mm-hmm. like they're purchasing it at like something like $160 yeah. a, a vial or something. But then luckily like <laughs> Pfizer's selling it at value <laughs> to um less well-off countries but it's still mm-hmm. like you see that like giant yeah. markup it's just like for sure it costs 20 dollars to produce and we're gonna make like a thousand percent profit, profit on this thing. right <laughs> yeah and so then that's those are those like internal external neo-colonialism like aspects and then they also see like a big issue within the international monopolies and international imperialism of money. So pretty much it's like the bishops of Latin America drilled into the point that uh, the principal guilt of this falls on those countries with the desire of uncontrolled gain. So it's like, um, they don't like name out any like one country in particular, right? But like when you read the text, you're just like, oh, you know exactly who they're talking <laughs> about, you know? And it's like pr- pretty much what that means is just like, hey, like if you don't like push a certain lifestyle on your people in order for you to make profit, then these the, the like it alleviates the pressure on like other countries as, as well. So it's just like, does like does do the does K-Broke need to have his AC running the whole time, like at like 65 degrees? Not <laughs> one bit, you know? But like if I like but because I because I have the option and I've been like fed like fed into an idea that like, oh I need to be cool all the time. Then like you know my AC might break and like now the parts need to be ordered by like a different region that like it's just like it adds like and that's just one person i imagine all the people that like need these things you know mm-hmm. uh, or like desire these things so it's just like the bishops of america are just like hey like 
why do you why do you like try to sell a dream to individuals knowing that you don't have the goods to be able to feed that dream and you need to use other countries you know and then you pay us very little yeah for that stuff it's just like it's just like it makes you think like i don't know like you know i this this kind of made me think of like um something that's happening right now in the united states and because i like i i don't i don't know if it's fair it it's probably is fair but like to take it the, the i think it's fair as far as the point of like the united for the past 150 years or this whatever the united states like just inability to rein in capitalism in any way oh for sure and oh yeah but it but it's not like it's not like the people of the united states are like these our citizens are like these evil people who are are oppressing other countries mm-hmm. in the world it's like it's basically like corporations that are doing this mm-hmm. right. um and and don't get me wrong the united states has done its fair share of like militaristic imperialism but um Mm -hmm. like like right now it's like let's it's it's putting profit over people and this is Mm -hmm. happening to communities in the united states right now where it's like you need like um say the example i've heard is like um ford is like they can't produce a certain car anymore. And so they're going to have to shut down a plant, which is going to impact a bunch of people in their jobs Mm -hmm. and going to make it harder for everyday Americans or United Mm -hmm. Statesians (laughs) to, to provide for their families. And the reason they have to shut it down is because they can't get the microchip like Mm -hmm. a certain microchip that the car needs because that microchip is only produced in like singapore and taiwan Mm -hmm. and so it comes back to this like well why don't we just produce the microchip in the united states right which would create more jobs Mm -hmm. for our citizens and would like kind of cut cut out this loop for the for Ford or whatever manufacturer that like they think well I need to keep all my costs down so I'm gonna it's like it's like oppression on top of oppression it's like I'm gonna go get this super cheap next to slave labor to Mm -hmm. produce this microchip in East Asia and then so and then that's going to take away jobs from everyday Americans (laughs) Or mm-hmm. everyday United Statesians. <laughs> and then it's like this, it's this whole cycle. And it's, it's the people at the top who are doing this, who want to make just ridiculous profit at the expense mm-hmm. of human life and human flourishing. So, right. Okay. I'm yeah. off my soapbox. <laughs> no, like that. No, that makes sense. And then that's what we talked about in the in part one, right? About these elites. It's just like, and the bishops talk to like everybody that that's in power 
And then more specifically, it goes from a general to a very specific. It's just like the elites that have the like the deciding factor. Like there's because yes, there's committees, yes, there's all these things that like all these big companies and corporations have. But at the end of the day, it's like only a, like a handful of people make the decisions, like two or three or four people. And it's just like these are the people that like that that like the bishops are like reaching out to that like asking them to discern and to think about like what they're doing because like they they have the biggest impact yeah and, and i think if you're sitting here like it's like why why are justin and kerwin talking about capitalism and yeah. all this like an economic theory and all this the oppression yeah. of people's like i thought this was a theology podcast yeah. And this is a clear, like, when you take the words of scripture and you, like, extend them out to our mm -hmm. modern day situations, this is where we're at. This is how you live what right. Christ said. This is how, like, this is Mary's Magnificat. Like, mm -hmm. she said to, like, God is coming into the world to... Right let the oppressed go free we're talking about mm -hmm. the people who are oppressed here how do we do god's work on mm -hmm. earth and and she also said that like god's gonna use his right hand to slap down <laughs> the the yeah. wealthy and the the oppressors like that's yeah. god is on the side of the poor like it yes. is it is everywhere throughout the old testament and the new testament mm -hmm. and if we're jesus's followers then we have to be on their side too true that and then it it wraps up by by stating like it wraps up part one by stating that like national like tensions within latin america uh should like they, they should be should be seen through like a a land america consciousness right so this idea that you know we should fight against nationalism and a desire to compete in like and again because of the context in the land american arms race it's this idea that it's just like you know and we see that even now like at times like we're just like oh no like i'm mexican i don't know what you're talking about like you're salvadorian you're Guatemalan. though we do like to identify like regionally or where we're from and stuff like that the bishops were saying that we have to come together as Latin Americans and and help each other out instead of like you know pushing each other down. It's like we have to come together uh, because if we don't, if we keep dividing ourselves, like it's like these small things that make us different. There's so many more things that we have in common yeah. and differences, and so it's like we need to develop this this Latin American conscious where like we are helping one another out uh, because that that will be able to help us like yield yield uh more more peace right mm -hmm. is that i think jesus said that too a house divided against itself cannot stand right exactly mm -hmm. that's exactly right um in part two uh the bishops like uh they they offer they propose a christian concept of peace instead of violence right so you know peace is is to them is more than being without war, right? Because they they look at like dictators or they look at leaders where they use law and order uh, and they were still oppressive. And you know, it would this would still yield rebellion, this would still yield revolution. 
right? So to them, peace is more than being without war, which when I was reading this, I was like, oh yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, work. (laughs) Exactly. And then that's what the second point is, is peace is more than a static idea. Um, so in their in their mindset, you know, times change and and we we must be able to adapt with the new changes if they they stated that if we don't, we run the risk of of suppression, right? We run the risk mm-hmm. of like at some point, like um not making people uncomfortable, but like like oppressing individuals because of of, of the new of the new times, you know, and it's yeah. not change your way of belief it's not change your way of like you know having faith it's just seeing how can we help those who are now marginalized because Mm -hmm. of the times right and i think that's different from like oh well like the bible told me to do this and so this is all i can do and like i can't do anything else i'm sorry if you don't fit in this like square box that i have yeah i can't help you like that's what they're getting at with this um and then you know they, they they know right, that peace is a permanent labor. Um, and so they used an Augustinian definition of peace that implies uh, that we need to struggle and have creativity in order for us to have peace, because it's not just like, I will define peace as A and B, and if it doesn't fit in A and B, then like that's wrong and we can't help it. You know, it's like, it, it, we, let's see, I wanna, I wanna pull up, what they actually said because i thought it was like a really cool uh, <laughs> edit note <laughs> edit note. Right, right right yeah it says uh yeah so it's like the tranquility of order according to the augustinian definition of peace is neither passive nor conformity it is not something that is acquired once and for all but the result of continuous effort and adaptation to new circumstances to new demands and challenges of a change in history mm-hmm. And then it states like a static peace may be obtained with the use of force. An authentic peace implies struggle, creativity, and permanent conquest. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, yeah, like that's 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 right. Like we need to always be able to reach out. It's not just a one and done kind of deal, you know. Because at some point in time, you'll need to look at it again. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that we look at. I mean, the, the world today is, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It makes me think of like, if you don't know history, you're like bound to repeat the mistakes of the past. For sure. And it's like, I, I don't know how, like the, this, old, this like resurgence of nationalism in so many countries is so stupid. It really is man. like, like y- if if y'all got if if you didn't like get good grades in world history, shame on you. Like yeah. seriously, like I like my kids. If they don't get, I'm gonna I'm gonna incentivize them. Like if they get A's in history, I'm gonna like shower them with gifts and ice cream. Mm-hmm. If yeah. they don't do good in history, they're grounded. Because <laughs> what what did history teach me is like all this that ultra nationalism led to freaking world war ii and right. world war one like mm-hmm. millions of yeah. people dead because of this crap right and it's rearing its ugly head again it's right stupid okay. Go. it really is 
Because you know, it, again, it, it it divides people so much. Like it's just like this is this is who I am. Yeah. So like just because we achieved some kind of pseudo peace, mm-hmm. just because the Nazis were defeated, right? Or like, and not that like there's been peace at all in the past mm-hmm. seventy years, but like, yeah, the it's coming back. We're not doing the work, right? Right. We've become complacent, you know, mm-hmm. we're good, we're conformed, we're like, it, this is good, it doesn't affect me, so I don't have to worry yeah. about it. Man, Medellin is so relevant, it's dude, insane. Medellin's so woke, dude, like, it is crazy um, <laughs> oh, don't, like, I, yeah. don't say woke, because Bishop Barron will come come after us. Oh, that's right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That Sorry. guy. It, it's so awake, it's not snoozing. <laughs> He's going to accuse us of being beige Catholics. Yeah. Just as an aside, I was trying to figure out a way to like write a hit piece on, on Bishop Barron and that he uses beige theology and beige philosophy. The guy, all right, this guy, this guy puts out like these pieces on like beige Catholicism and like the, the, the atheistic philosophy of wokeism, like, some ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff and then like people with phds in philosophy like bishop Barron's a pastor and he's a good catechist but he ain't no philosopher and these people mm-hmm. are just torching him they're just like yo you don't know what you're talking about right. and then and my and why i wanted to like talk, I, I did a little research it's like i don't think i can justify my claims but so like he he just like sit he only talks about aquinas and cardinal henry newman which is mm. fine but there's other theologians yeah. out there where's yeah. our where's our bonaventure where's william of ockham like come mm-hmm. on carl Rahner. there's mm-hmm. there's more theologians out there than just thomas aquinas all right so many more tangent over <laughs> coming back to you so that was pretty much what they what they talked about with uh oh no with peace no they, there's this part three this is this is this is where um they talk about the consideration of violence um and so um again one of the biggest things of why Medellin was so important to Latin America was because initially they had seen uh, a people document as kind of like the green light of using violence as long mm-hmm. as it was justified um and the bishops uh you know they're they're they obviously went straight at it they, they were just like in a nutshell, the bishop said, no, you don't <laughs> use violence, you know, should Latin America use violence to risk to reset order? No. Nope. <laughs> uh, however, they did not deny the reasons uh, for people in Latin America to feel so passionate to use these extreme measures. Mm-hmm. They're just like, hey, like, we're not, we're not condoning violence, but we understand why we feel the way, like, we're not yeah. going to turn a blind eye to your oppression. We're not going to turn a blind eye uh, to this. And like, we understand why you would be willing to die or just turn into turn to violence for this, you know, but mm-hmm. they offer alternatives to violence. Right. And so, again, their their alternatives is education, a general awakening of a conscience. Right. They, they, Whoa, that's they, too woke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, first of all, <laughs> um, yeah, and so then they they, they figure like they would bring this by using to uh, by bringing together like 
all the following resources like government and school and media, uh, cr- groups of Christians and non-Christians. What are you talking about here? Uh-huh. What, ecumenical, working together with non-Christians? Yeah. Get work. out of here, right? <laughs> Do the work. If, I mean, yeah. if we're, I mean, that's kind of, I feel like if you asked anybody of any position on the street, not any, yeah. I won't be 100%, but it's like, they would be like, yeah, we should all work for peace. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. And and like, you know, they, 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 they concluded this section of this document by stating that, uh, that they know that they can't, you know, you can't fix violence with more violence. It doesn't generate a, a time of lasting peace. You know, and so that's how kind of like they, they, they summed that up. They're like, we shouldn't use violence because at the end of the day, if you use violence, uh, the group that loses is going to feel like oppressed and mm-hmm. is going to feel like, well, like we lost this time, but we're going to come after you. We'll be complacent now, but we'll yeah. better believe that we're coming back, you know, with sure. more people and more violence. So mm-hmm. like it doesn't generate that lasting yeah. peace. And that comes back to that peace is a permanent mm-hmm. labor. Like you exactly. gotta, you gotta keep working. Mm-hmm. Work as a team. <laughs> Un equipo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's All, right. Go. All right. What about them youth? Oh, that youth. Uh, so they uh, they acknowledge the youth of Latin America as like divided into two into two groups. So they know that the youth is divided. There's uh, there's uh, a side that's very passive and, and just accepts the reality right and they're just like well like this is what we are this is what we've had like why like if it's not broken why fix it but obviously it is broken right <laughs> uh but they're just like and eh, you know what are you gonna do and then there's another group who like radically rejects the way of life created by their leaders mm-hmm. um as if they they see it as it dehumanizes like humanity i guess it just, <laughs> it just sounds like redundant but it just dehumanizes us mm-hmm. and so uh, that's kind of like we're 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 like the bishops see that and so what what the what what, it, what they what they believe is that the church in latin america uh um is is they should be willing to open itself to the youth you know like they they were very they're very aware of this and so they they understood that if they want to be a, a symbol of youth, you know, if they want the church to be a symbol of youth, it needs to allow youth to help keep it relevant in such a dynamic world. It's like we can't be a youthful church if we're full of like 80 year old, like Latin American European men mm-hmm. trying to reach out to you. like there you can't, like you you're not going to relate like. Even if you do know all the stuff that is going on and like you're hip and stuff like that, like kids are gonna listen to you. Like it's yeah. like, ah, all right, grandpa. You know, like you know, they, they're not, I'm not saying like don't have respect for them because there's wisdom, there's guidance that could be given. But they also know that if you want to be a symbol of youth, you need to have youthful people yeah. in. Okay, so just two two tangents for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, Drop them. All right. So do you? Re- did you did you watch Thirty Rock? Thirty uh, Rock with Alex Baldwin. Show? Yeah, yeah, Alex yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, you know who Steve Buscemi is? He's a, he's in Reservoir Dogs and 
Steve Buscemi. What he's, what 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 role does he play? He's like yeah. he's he's Alec Baldwin's uh like private investigator. Like he he's only in the show maybe like ten times, but um uh, what other movies is Steve Buscemi in that you would know him from? Uh, oh, I definitely yeah, he's in all of those uh Adam Stanley movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for he's sure. Like, for he's sure. like crazy eyes and like crazy Waterboy eyes. Or yeah. Something. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. He, he's like he's a water boy. <laughs> yeah, he's doing like some private investigating in Thirty Rock, and it, this just made me think of that where he like goes to the high school and he's like <laughs> has a skateboard and backpack and a backwards hat. And he, <laughs> yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> how's it going fellow young people (laughs) yes that's exactly right (laughs) Uh, and then so just uh, my other aside like pope francis had the synod on youth and the church um a few years back and so in san diego uh bishop mcelroy he followed up and wanted to do a local youth synod and so i went to be a participant and i think i think the auxiliary bishop was there and he started talking uh yeah john dolan was there and he started talking about how like it's like you're not just the future of the church you are the church right and then i got up and said like when it was my turn i was like if you're saying we're the future of the church, then you need to treat us like we are. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. if we're the church right now, then treat us like we're the church right now. Like it right. should be our leadership guiding the church. Right. It should be like, we should be the employees in parishes. Not, right. Like like fathers shouldn't be just like going, oh, I'm going to like Mary Jo Sue is, uh, mm-hmm. her husband just died and she's bored and like she she needs a job i'll yeah. i'll hire her as the finance director for the parish and it's like right and she has no finance experience at all right like that right. y'all that's how parishes work like your parishes mm-hmm. are i mean unless like i was lucky where i worked because like the people that were hired actually knew what they were doing like the business manager right. actually had a degree in business <laughs> like mm-hmm. but parishes are full of inept people like it's just the truth like yeah people who don't know like like i said whether it's like finance but but anyway we're talking we're talking about like positions also that like require like a director of religious education like you would you would like for them to have a degree in theology yeah like most of them don't (laughs) and instead like oh it's like i've been a catechist for like a couple of years and like the position just opened up uh because so and so just like left another state it's like well you've been here for 13 years as a catechist and you know like how it works like just do it you know and like what happens is like that's where like it becomes very stale why like because you're only going to be doing the things that you learned how to do in the past 13 years. Not to say that you're not, you're not full of like love for what you're doing, but the reality is that like, you know, maybe you're not up to date with all the encyclical, maybe you're not up to date with like different curriculums. Maybe like, you know, like there are so many things just like with any profession, like there, like, you know, if you go to school, like you like, or introduce it different things, but if you're just staying at your one parish, for forever 
and then you're yeah. just gonna you know continue using that stuff and like that's not what you want yeah so anyways like the church needs to be like they're in my opinion i know there there's a bunch of like all the young people are leaving the church but there mm. there is a solid like movement of people in their 20s and 30s who oh, like for sure are in love with the church right now oh for sure yeah hire those people uh -huh. like if you're a, if you happen to be a priest go, go find someone in their 20s and 30s to hire because yeah. they know how to use a computer <laughs> yeah right exactly um, yeah and, just right off the bat you know what yeah, I'm saying? yeah. Like, um or like like the and they want to help like maybe maybe buy a cheaper easter vigil candle next year yeah. so you can play a young person a living wage like yeah again creativity like like uh, it's it's frustrating but yeah or or if you're if you are a, a parishioner like go to your priest and be like yo you need to be high get get on your parish council and be like we mm -hmm. need some young people on this council like we can't have this like fuddy-duddy stick in the mud like this is how we've always done things like right yeah we can do things in a new way and still be faithful to the church it's not like just because something's new means yeah. that it's like outside of doctrine or something or right yeah young people just don't understand how the church works like no actually right. we do we're, we're more yeah. committed to understanding it than the right. generations before us have ever been like right we actually want to know the inner workings and so yeah we're ready hire we us are for <laughs> sure okay what about uh um, what about justice justicia. <laughs> the, the justice league yeah the justice league yeah well, let's justice get after this league of las americas <laughs> this this medellin cut of the justice league <laughs> yes 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 so uh Justice is divided into three parts. Again, it's very, very, very trinitarian. This document, <laughs> three parts, is what I got from it. <laughs> very adventurian. Um, yes, yes. And so, part one talks about grievances and it explains the turmoil that people experience in Latin America. And so, these are the people that, like, justice should be sought after. Like, everybody requires justice, but these are the individuals that are like, if you're on a spectrum of like green yellow red you would find them in the red section right so the youth they want an opportunity for higher education but it, it's not given to them you know and it's not a higher education that is just like gonna like streamline them into like labor camps but like a higher education that allows them to develop themselves as a land american conscience right the poor um they want again the ability to have living wages like give me more than that is going to be able to like uh, like I'm going to have to decide whether like you know son A or son B is going to be able to eat today because mm -hmm. like, you're not paying me enough you know uh, women they want equality to their male counterparts uh, and then the middle class the opportunity to prosper in Latin America right and we talked about this in part one where like it's not that Latin America doesn't have smart people or that they don't have like amazing individuals, they do, but they choose to leave Latin America because they don't have the opportunity to prosper, right? Instead, they, um, instead of allowing them to grow, uh, they are like, 
giving opportunities to like again corporations from like the United States instead of instead of like you know hey like this here's here's I don't know X person who wants to create like a cellular like organization or an electric car plant here in Latin America. Well, no, let's let's ship our money out somewhere else instead, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, well, if you guys don't want me here, whatever, I'll leave and then I'll figure it out somewhere else. Yeah. So these are the people that that are looking for. Uh, we have uh, looking for that justice, right? So in part two, it talks about interchange, right? So again, revisits the, the topic of looking for change within oneself instead of just changing the surroundings. So here, like the bishops. Uh, they do not ignore the importance of progress. They know that it is important and a vital concern in the kingdom of God. So they know that progress is important. Again, if we go, if we look back at like youth and we look back at peace, they know that progress is necessary. It is change is not a bad thing. They don't mm-hmm. see change as a bad thing. But uh, like what, what they see it as is a way for them to be able to prosper so that they they say that, you know, we have to look at change um, and it starts within ourselves, you know, like we change ourselves first before we go to try to change the people around us. You know? And so they don't just offer like very abstract things. They, they do offer like some sort of strategy um, for all of these things, right? Uh, for justice, they say that the churches should be used uh, as a way to educate and use to put pressure on internal and external change. So it's telling the church, hey, stop being passive. Mm-hmm. Stop just wanting to get people into your pews. Stop just wanting to get people like baptized and married and confirmed. Yeah. Like we need to go out. We need to put pressure on these corporations, both in Latin America and outside of Latin America. And that's, you know, that's their presence throughout the world. Yeah. And Jesus, Jesus didn't just sit around and do all the rituals. He shook things up. Right. Pineapple on pizza. (laughs) (laughs) For the economy, uh, you know, the bishops reject both imperialism and Marxism. It pushes for a liberation of the human being one that unifies Latin America instead of dividing it, right? It's not, again, just like how we did with the elites. It's not picking one way or the other, just how we did with education. It's saying both of these are like, we need to find something that liberates the human being and it doesn't put brackets or hierarchies because like in that case, somebody is always going to be oppressed. Um, I think that's... um at least in the context of the United States, like mm-hmm. this is a big problem mm-hmm. that it's, there's an either or mentality when it comes to the church. It's like some people are going to say like, you can, if you're a Catholic, that means you're a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, or like that the church is inherently conservative. And then like people are freaking out because Pope Francis is a dirty liberal. Like, yeah. And in this point, like, of, like rejecting both imperialism and Marxism, like the church is not on the side of communism. The church is not on the side of capitalism. The church mm-hmm. is on the side of Christ. 
or at least right. it's supposed to be. Right, right, and, right. right, right. Steal ambitious. Yeah. And so if you go out there and you like think that the church is aligned perfectly with your political or your economic ideology, mm. I'm sorry, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. The church, right. like, it's radically different than any like or again it's supposed to be <laughs> it's definitely um not it's missed the mark on many occasions but like the church isn't republican the church isn't democratic or right. democrat like the church is for bringing about the kingdom of heaven on earth mm -hmm. like that's what the goal is um like I, some something like uh, I guess on on Fox, the the morning show on Fox, they like mm -hmm. one of the hosts was utterly shocked that Catholic Charities has been working with migrants for decades. He's just like, what? And then I saw some like other ignorant yahoo on twitter who is like spouting off about like any catholic who helps immigrants is a leftist and i'm just like like what? it's in the bible stranger yeah. in your land stranger <laughs> in your land like yeah like the so oh, yeah it's a re reject all of it like yeah take what's good from things but like Te that that's saint paul he says test all things and keep what's good like so yeah. anyway all right tangent over what about this rural population out here in latin america? latin america i think this one was like the one that i thought about was like it was fairly powerful because it talked about building up right uh the uh the poor the peasant the indigenous people uh, people that are marginalized or excluded. Um, and in the context of Medellin, it, a land was a big thing because like either land was stolen, taken away, you know, like again, this goes, this is after like the conquistadors and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. just with like, like land had been like allotted to people or like different things happened in order for you to get like an allotted piece of land. And then the government would come and you'd be like, well, that was the last government. This is a new government, so I'm taking your land now, mm -hmm. you know? And so what the bishops were saying is that we need to build up all of these individuals, and it goes beyond just returning stolen land. It's because, like, you know, like, yeah, sure, you get your land back, but then, like, what? How are you going to work it? Like, what What are you going to do with it? Like, it's, it's more than just that. And so it's this idea of, like, really helping them develop because though you've given their land back, like, now they have children like what 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 will we do for them how can we give them an opportunity to prosper as well mm -hmm. you know um and then it talks about political reform right this goes beyond giving people what they are due uh this new reform needs to break away from chains of any social system built upon hierarchies and we see that you know develop throughout it's just this document uh uh, they state that like Latin America needs to be a system that gradually and continuously develops to fit the endless possibilities uh, of authentic liberation, right? So it's this idea that it's 
just like peace. It's not just one thing, right? It's not justice and peace. Uh, they they are constantly changing because as humans, we constantly change and we have different um we have we live in such a dynamic world where like one reality is is could be taken care of but then like something else arises you know and so we have to be able to 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 continuously give justice to all of these um, situations all right so that wraps up the justice section you can like think how can i be how can I be more Medellin? Yeah. <laughs> How can I be more like Jay Belden? So, I don't know if he's from Medellin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for this one. Got any other yeah. stuff to add, K, K Broke? <laughs> nah. Thank you so much for listening through. I know this one was a little bit heavy uh, on the content, uh, but, you know, it's, it's just, it's good to know. Like, and I, and I like, I think like th this is key to at times like looking at documents, uh, they can be like um, intimidating if like you don't have necessarily the background or maybe like you're just like, there's all these words like exegesis and like, <laughs> kenosis that have no idea what you're talking about. And then you're turned away from wanting to read them, you know? Uh, so I'm, I was happy to be able to like, you know, kind of like break this down a little bit more. And um, it's, you know, it's good to know it's always important i think you brought it up you know uh the individuals now are that like the youth that are in the church are really in it not just because like it was forced upon them or it's just it's what my parents did it's more like they're they're really invested on uh, like on the how and the why of things you know mm -hmm. and so there's more there's more depth in it i think that's that's beautiful and we should really like uh, help nurture that and for sure uh, for sure that's yeah, it right. dude we'll bring in that master level <laughs> that master oh level yeah catechesis catechesis <laughs> all right guys well thanks again for joining us on los nazarenos you los can nazarenos. you can follow us at nazarenos for life for life uh, and that's uh, the number four l-i-f-e and that's on twitter facebook instagram um so yeah and keep on tuning in to season three and yeah we'll keep so, on we'll keep on trucking we'll keep on pushing these bad yeah. ones out yeah and uh <laughs> and give us a review review yes. give us a review please all right all righty uh let's have the out Oops. Oops.